long ago, when the goddess Nuwa was repairing the sky. She melted down a great quantity of rock into 36,501 large building blocks. One single block was left unused. It lay at the foot of Green Sickness Peak and possessed magic powers. It could grow or shrink to any size it wanted. Later, a Buddhist monk and a Taoist priest brought this stone into the world of mortals, where, in time, it grew into one of the undisputed classics of Chinese literature, the story of the stone, also known as a dream of red mansions. That laid aside stone stands for both the protagonist of the novel, Jia Baoyu, and the author himself, Cao Shui Qin. I still recall the bond of old by stone and flower made, and while my vacant eyes behold crystalline snows of beauty pure and cold. The romance between Jia Baoyu and Lin Dayu lies at the heart of a dream of red mansions. Lin Dayu, a creation that highlights Cao Shui Qin's genius and sensibility in its entirety, is not only the heroine of a dream of red mansions, but also the most prominent female protagonist in classic Chinese literature and art. As portrayed in the novel, Dayu is the scion of a cultured family in Suzhou City, who later moves to Yangzhou with her father, the Salt Commissioner. Due to her mother's early passing and her father's poor health, Grandma Jia, who's also Baiyu's grandmother, sends a boat to bring Dayu to the Jia mansions in the capital. Although having often been told by her mother that Grandmother Jia's home is rather exceptional, Dayu is still deeply surprised when she discovers that several low-ranking servants she's in contact with on the journey are quite out of the ordinary in terms of food, clothes and almost everything else about them. So she quickly realises that once she has arrived at the Jia mansions, she'll have to watch every step she takes and weigh every word carefully. A foot wrong, a word out of place, and the scorn of the household will be truly withering. Upon arrival, Dayu meets Grandmother Jia and her uncles and aunts. When Lady Xing asks her to stay for dinner, Dayu, then less than 10 years old, and extremely timid, replies with a gentility that invites sympathy. She says that it's very kind of her aunt to offer, and though she ought really not to refuse nevertheless, she still has to pay her respects to her uncle Zheng, and fears that it would be disrespectful if she were to arrive late. She hopes that she might accept on another occasion and begs her aunt to excuse her. 林黛玉刚到这个贾府的时候啊
Fortunately, Dayu meets Bao Yu, her cousin, on the day she arrives in the Jia mansions. The two were amazed by each other, as described in the novel. Dayu looked at him with astonishment. How strange! It was as though she had seen him somewhere before. He was so extraordinarily familiar. Bao Yu laughs, saying that, I have seen this cousin before. I have the impression of meeting her again after a long separation. When meeting this cousin who's as beautiful as an angel, Bao Yu has, like never before, a sense of inferiority. When he hears that Dao Yu doesn't have the jade, he takes his off and hurls it on the floor, cursing, rare object, what's so lucky about a stone that can't even tell which people are better than others. Grandma Jia and others do their best to calm him. Later that day, Dao Yu cries guiltily about provoking Bao Yu to abuse his jade. Aroma comforts her by saying, you mustn't take on so, miss. You'll see him do much stranger things than that before he's finished. Try not to be so sensitive. Cao Shui-Chin's family also had powerful relations. He was born in Nanjing, and by the age of 13, he was the young master of household of the Jiangning Silk Manufacturing Bureau. Between the mid-17th century and early 18th century, four members of the Cao family, of three different generations, had run the bureau, which, besides making fancy fabrics and clothing for the royal court, was spying on government officials in the south. For half a century, the Tsao's tied themselves to prestigious households in both the capital and the south through marriage, some of which were even arranged by the emperor himself. That's how Cao Shui-Chin ended up with a great number of cousins, male and female. As a matter of fact, the Cao family, as one of the families of the Manchu Eight Banners, had no explicit rules against intimacy between young boys and girls. This led to a profound family bond and friendship between Cao Shui-Chin and some of his cousins. Founding a poetry club and flying kites were likely things he had done with his childhood playmates. But, was he ever intimately attracted to one of them? Quite possibly. Lin Dayu as a fictional character has won the hearts of countless readers over centuries, not just because of her beauty and talent, 
but also because of her lofty virtues. She's innocent and kind-hearted. When Caltrop Pan's young concubine wants to learn poetry, she prefers to turn to Dayu, even though she lives far away. And Dayu proves to be patient and dutiful as a teacher, helping Caltrop become a member of the poetry club in the Prospect Garden in just a few months.他所住的一个潇湘馆我并不完全认为曹雪芹就把他自己的个性写到贾宝玉也许曹雪芹写的把自己投射在什么人身上最多不是贾宝玉而是林黛玉那种怀才不遇的寄人篱下的生命中充满了坎坷心酸的孤儿的意识的这种东西他更多的放在林黛玉的身上As Chinese writer Lu Xun once commented A poor man enduring hunger wouldn't grow orchids for fun as a rich man does by the same logic, Big Zhao wouldn't love Lin Dayu. The love between Bao Yu and Dayu was based on the rebellious spirit they shared in a noble family living through feudal times. On one occasion, Shi Xiang Yun tells Bao Yu, You ought to be mixing with these officials and administrators as much as you can. You'll certainly never get anywhere if you spend all your time with us girls. Finding such talk highly displeasing, Bao Yu retorts, I think perhaps you'd better go and sit in someone else's room. I wouldn't want a decent, respectable young lady like you to get contaminated. Aroma, who's with them, jumps in immediately by mentioning that when Bao Chai said similar things, Bao Yu just stormed off with no consideration of her feelings and that it was lucky that Bao Chai was as poised as she was for had it been Da Yu, Bao Yu would have to apologise all the time. Unexpectedly, Bao Yu says, Have you ever heard Miss Lin talking that sort of stupid rubbish? I'd long since have fallen out with her if she did. Both Aroma and Xiang Yun shake their heads with a smile and say, so that's stupid rubbish, is it? 他在《红楼梦》里面占有一个第一女主角的地位
，他就说啊，北静王的爱妾没了，我去倒脑。好，那然后呢，就坐下来呢，看王熙凤的生日宴会哈、啊，继续的看戏吃酒。所有的人都不明就里，不知道他去哪里。只有林黛玉就说了：“这个王石鹏也不通得很啊，天下水共一元啊，如果要祭拜的话呢，举一泼水来悼念悼念也就罢了，为什么偏偏要跑到江边去呢？就是在说他，这个这个就是他没有说贾宝玉没有说他去哪里，所有的人都不知道他去哪里。那林黛玉是怎么知道？非常的知，他非常的认识，非常清楚。”贾宝玉是什么样的人？而且他用一种点点化或者点透他的方式，就说你笨啊，干嘛跑那么远还被人家骂 ？Not only are the two of them attracted by each other's looks and personality, they also share a deep bond based on common interests. It's only natural for them to fall in love with each other. However, they live in a time when marriages are arranged by parents. Especially in powerful households like theirs, freedom to choose your spouse is considered outrageous. A young woman of noble birth would be accused of being unchaste for simply having a love interest. 后来的小幸很简单，就是由于他跟贾宝玉之间的特殊的感情，他开始对贾宝玉。感觉到了那种少女的相恋的心情，当然他也谈不到别的，也不能在那个社会也也不允许你一个女孩跟你跟你贾宝玉说说二哥我爱你，这当然是不可能的，呃，他也不能说，但是他又觉得贾宝玉跟他的处境不一样，贾宝玉周围那么一群美少女都包围着。而他呢，就找不到一个自己的真正的亲人，哎，恰恰是这种特殊的心情和特殊的情感，哎，使他，呃、哎，变成了小性的这种人。Sir Shui Chin's family kept a professional opera troupe at home year-round. It was the golden age of Kanchu opera. Classics like the Peony Pavilion, which is a story of love, though one not approved by the moralists of the day, were loved by everyone from royalty to commoners. The then Emperor Kangxi himself was a fervent fan of Kanchu. During Yuan Chun's visit in the novel, she requests a performance of the Peony Pavilion too. The opera was favored by young Cao Shui-chin as well. Its melodies and romantic lyrics mesmerized this teenage genius. Because for you, my flower like fair, the swift years like the waters flow. Here, multi-floored splendor blooms forlorn, midst broken fountains, mouldering walls. 
Those words prompted Cao Shui-Chin to sigh, just as Lin Dai-Yu did in the novel. There is good poetry, even in plays. What a pity most people think of them only as entertainment. A lot of the real beauty in them must go unappreciated. While undergoing a strict conventional education, Cao Shui-Chin was immersed in classics of theatre like the Peony Pavilion and literary classics such as Western Chamber. In his spare time, Cao Shui-Chin would steer away from the adults in his family. He preferred to spend his time with artists in opera troupes, he found that these stages, who were despised by so-called gentlemen, were in fact lovely people who were smart, interesting and kind. From these young actors he learned the basic skills of stage performance, not to mention a wealth of anecdotes and plenty of gossip. But that never stopped him observing the real world. For him, the attraction of these beautiful young creatures was irresistible. Another key feature in A Dream of Red Mansions is Xue Baochai, a member of the Xue household, one of the four powerful families. The Shues are royal merchants who are so wealthy that to count their money would take all day. Aunt Shui, Bao Chai's mother, is the sister of Lady Wang, Bao Yu's mother. She and her family come to stay with the Jars later in the novel. In one episode during a drinking game, Bao Chai pulls a card with a peony on it, along with the caption, Empress of the Garden, and a verse from a poem, Yourself lack passion, yet can others move. In fact, though the novel's main theme is love, Shui Bao Chai is somehow emblematic of a lack passion. Bao 要念诗词这样的Bao Chai wins everyone's heart in the prospect garden, from Grandma Jia to the maids. 
Dutch Eye's true colours come out soon after the incident with Golden, Lady Wang's headmaid whom Bao Yu tries to seduce. Lady Wang slaps and insults her before expelling her. Grossly humiliated, Golden drowns herself in a well. Lady Wang's deeply disturbed by the suicide when Bao Chai, sensing what's going on, hurries to her and says, In my opinion, Golden would never have drowned herself in anger. It's much more likely that she was playing about beside the well and slipped in accidentally. There's no earthly reason why she should have felt angry enough with you to drown herself. If she did, all I can say is that she was a stupid person and not worth feeling sorry for. Xu Baochai 居然能够安慰王夫人说出那一套话来，丫鬟本身就是不应该有气性，就不应该有人的尊严，就应该服服帖帖，是吧？主子打了骂了，就应该。就是应该逆来顺受这样的。说鲁迅曾经讲过，有些道学先生在雪季面前能够保持一种惊人的冷静。那么薛宝钗的修养呢？他修得了这种冷静。应该说，这种地方薛宝钗的冷静呢，达到了那个冷酷的程度。Zhao Shuijin married twice. His first wife died young. Before his second marriage, he really had difficulty coping on his own. Compared to the extravagant life he experienced in the mansion of the Zhengning Imperial Silk Manufacturing Bureau as a child, life in the hamlet in Beijing's western suburbs was quite a comedown. Nevertheless, writing A Dream of Red Mansions gave Cao Shuijin a sense of purpose, improving his mood. In autumn 1759, invited by Yin Jishan, the then governor general of a region south of the lower reaches of the Yangtze River called Liangjiang, Zhao Shuiqin went to Nanjing to serve in the governor's mansion as an advisor. Being an idealist with lofty ideas, Zhao Shuiqin resented the bow and scrape in a powerful household, as well as his obsequious colleagues. So, after just a year, he gave up this comfortable job and returned to the western hills on the outskirts of Beijing to continue his writing. The Nanjing trip, however, wasn't at all pointless. Some scholars speculated that it was in Nanjing he met his second wife and got married again in middle age. Others argued that his new wife was a remote cousin, the model for the character Qi Xiangyun. How do they describe their marriage? It's called a tree-tree-tree. Couples are tree-tree-tree. It's equal. It's equal. It's equal. 书香子
，这是书香子的话，并替花生蕊同心有一针。我们一看了这个时候，哎呦，说，难道那个时候清朝人也是讲同心呃，也讲友谊？呃，这个不是现代化吗？一番《红楼梦》的第一呃性子音，嗯呃性子音假凤气虚晃，就有友谊这个字儿。书香子和红木也可以对得起来。The years after this second marriage might have been the happiest days in Cao Shui Qin's life. Though still impoverished, he now had a confidant to spend time with in that small courtyard in the Western Hills. The couple often reminisced of the joyful days of their childhood in the scenic south, where the meandering Qinhuai River caught the reflections of the dazzling city lights. Whenever nostalgia hit them, they sighed together. Bao Yu and Dai Yu, since their reunion in the mortal world, have grown from close friends to lovers. However, in the rigid environment of Jia mansions, even a simple confession has to go through countless invisible barriers. Finally, Bao Yu confesses his feelings to Dai Yu when Xiang Yun advises him to take the official exams and become an administrator. Bao Yu rebukes him, saying that Dai Yu has never talked that sort of stupid rubbish. Dai Yu happens to arrive and hears those words through the window. Mingled emotions of happiness, alarm, sorrow, and regret assailed her. She feels happy because Bao Yu takes her as a true friend, just as she has done for him. All the same, she's alarmed because such unreserved praise from Bao Yu could easily arouse suspicion and be misunderstood. Bao Yu finishes his hasty dressing, comes out of the house, and catches up with Dai Yu, who's slowly walking on ahead of him, seemingly wiping her eyes. When Dayu wipes the perspiration from his brow, for some moments he stands there motionless, staring at her. Then he says, "Don't worry." Dayu doesn't understand why she should worry. Bayu replies, "My dear, cause don't think you can fool me. If you don't understand what I've just said, then not only." Have feelings towards you been all along mistaken? But all that Yon have ever felt for me has been wasted too. It's because you worry so much that you've made yourself ill. If only you could take things a bit easier, your illness wouldn't go on getting more and more serious all the time. Hearing that, Dayu's thunderstruck by how Bayu had read her mind and perceived her so clearly. And now there are a thousand things she wants to tell him. Yet, though she's dying to speak, she's unable to utter a single syllable.
just a simple don't worry, but it could well be the most beautiful love confession in the whole of Chinese literature.《红楼梦》里边之所以用暖色可能还在于它描写了一种爱情理想比如宝玉和黛玉那种完全不计名利完全是思想共鸣的这样一种爱情实际上它是属于一种人类共同的理想而过去的爱情呢往往更多的是世
even though Baoyu never gets to see these poems, he's confident that Daiyu will respond with passion, just as he says to Skybright, she'll understand.呃，乃至于龌龊的现实的同时，他也一直写着人生的理想。呃，这一点呢，尤其和《金瓶梅》对比，就非常明显。因为《金瓶梅》啊，在他的现实主义的刻画，呃，和这个内容的丰富人物的
cast a spell on your life. So we won't teach it to you. But they said, if you can wait, Professor Hawkes, he's coming back from his leave next year, and he'll probably teach it to you. So when Professor Hawkes came back, um, I still remembered this book, and I said to Professor Hawkes, will you teach me Hong Lam Meng? And he said, his eyes lit up like that because he loved Hong Lam Meng. And, I, and he said, of course. So I was one student, just the only student in the class, and we together we read the first ten chapters of Hong Lam Meng, and it made a very deep impression on me. And then some four years later, we, 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 um, we began to translate the whole book together. While studying and translating the book, Minford fell in love with his supervisor's daughter. Teacher and student suddenly became family to each other, a wonderful new chapter in the tale of the book's journey across the world. Minford ascribed his love story and career to literary karma. But while the translator has been rewarded with a happy ending, the love story in the book doesn't end quite so well. The decline of the four powerful houses comes sooner than expected. As fate would have it, the two pillars of the families, Yuan Chun, the imperial concubine, and Wang Zetong, Bao Yu's uncle who's to be promoted to the Grand Scholar of the Cabinet, die one after the other within just a month. The Jar household is instantly thrown into an abyss of despair. When Bao Yu's jade goes missing, plunging him into delirium, an arranged marriage is scheduled. Zimbabwe 掉了一点眼泪那不得了了很多人都会说那个薛宝钗很虚伪很怎么样其实呢薛宝钗的这些作为吧你与其说薛宝钗虚伪你不如说那个封建道的本身就要求人这样子那么薛宝钗的大家所
Nightingale hurries over and asks her, Why are you turning back again, miss? Where are you heading for? Dayu, somewhat in a daze, replies that she wants to ask Bao Yu something. She now seems to have recovered her strength. She does not wait for Nightingale but raises the portiere herself without help and walks into Bao Yu's room. Bao Yu was sitting up in bed and when Dayu came in, he made no move to get up or welcome her but remained where he was, staring at her and giving a series of silly laughs. Dayu sat down uninvited and she too began to smile and stare back at Bao Yu. There were no words of any kind. Suddenly, Dayu said, Bao Yu, why are you sick? Bao Yu laughed, I'm sick because of Miss Lin. Aroma and Nightingale grew pale with fright. They tried to change the subject, but their efforts only met with silence and more senseless smiles. Come on, miss, urged Nightingale. It's time to go home and rest. Of course, exclaimed Dayu. It's time. She turned to go, still smiling and refusing any assistance from the maids, she strode out at twice her normal speed. Lin 他那种带有就是现在精神病学上叫癔症的那种表现都到了非常这个惊人的这个感动人的地步后四十回最感人的地方就是贾宝玉的婚姻和这个林黛玉之死连那个题目都起得非常好 now, I think the whole social way has some of the best scenes in the whole novel, you know, wonderful scenes. The death of Lin Dayu, for example, her, her nightmare, for example, the scene where she and Bao Yu talk riddles, you know, Zen, Zen Buddhist riddles, you know. She wins to see him and to ask him about it. But what she does is that she just sits next to him and um, doesn't ask the most important question she has at that time. Um, if he was actually loving her or not, or if uh, it is true that he uh, wanted to marry somebody else. Where the conditions for this um, uh, expression of feelings are set by uh, Chinese customs of that time. Meanwhile, Aroma has told Lady Wang the truth about Bao Yu and Dayu. Having heard it, Grandma Jia says, ours is a decent family. We do not tolerate unseemly goings on. And that applies to foolish romantic attachments. 
if her illness is of a respectable nature, I do not mind how much we have to spend to get her better. But if she is suffering from some form of lovesickness, no amount of medicine will cure it, and she can expect no further sympathy from me either. Back in her dwelling, Dayu, despite her weakened condition, burns all her poems, including those written on the handkerchiefs, before telling Nightingale, I have no family of my own here. My body is pure. Promise me you'll ask them to bury me at home. The only thing this brilliant young woman finds in the Jia mansions, with its sleekness and luxuriance, is total despair. That's what prompts her to say, I have no family of my own here. She wants to go back to Suzhou in the south, where she could enjoy scenes of bustling night fairs and busy boats loaded with fancy satin. On Baoyu's wedding night, Dayu dies after exhausting herself of all her tears. Pure substances, the pure earth to enrich. Her brief existence had finally reached its end. Bachelor 就是刚才讲的，他的生命理想就是友情之天下，而这种生命理想在当时的社会条件下，必然要被毁灭。林黛玉有一句诗叫“冷月葬花魂”，这这句诗可以作为这个悲剧的这个《红楼梦》悲
Breathe.